Got no sleigh with reindeer No sack on my back You gonna see me coming In a big black Cadillac Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. And, in case you didn't know, it's Christmas time! Yes it is, yes it is. We had the dulcet tones of Elvis lead us in. Yes, which means that it's Christmas time and we're doing a Christmas movie! Sort of, but well... This man likes to do sort of Christmas movies. Yes, that's kind of the theme uh, this year with our holiday excursions. We're doing sort of, kind of, halfway, maybe Christmas movies. <laughs> but this is a man we have covered before. We covered one of his previous written movies in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yes, which also can fall under the category of sort of, kind of, maybe, almost Christmas movie. This one, I think, is more of a Christmas movie than Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't think either of them are, but... That's just my opinion. I'm I actually like Christmas and the wholesome, warm and fuzzy feelings that it brings. But Scott here likes all the blood and guts that no one really wants to associate with Christmas, except for the people that somehow believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We'll get to that argument at another time. But we are talking about Shane Black, who wrote this movie, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Released in night. 1996, I was four. <laughs> I was five. Oh, what a time it was. So simple, so free. <laughs> Running around, not caring if you had pants on or not. <laughs> oh, Christmas. This is one of those movies that I've kind of always really liked. And it seems to be a movie that kind of has been forgotten to the sands of time. Yeah, I'll be honest, I, I really had low expectations for this movie because before Scott mentioned it to me and told me the title, I had never even heard of it. Which is bizarre because it stars two actors that I absolutely love, Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah. So it's like, why wouldn't I have ever heard of this? I actually, before we recorded this, I wanted to look up like how many podcasts have ever covered this movie and I could only find two. I like that though. I I'm the kind of person I like to find kind of diamond in the rough movies that no one's ever heard of, and be like, "Hey, you ever seen this? No, it's awesome." I, and I I really did like this movie a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it a great deal. I think Shane Black is still very funny. Yeah, you can really tell this is a Shane Black vehicle because the writing is very snappy very sarcastic and witty i think part of the reason that maybe this movie kind of fell into obscurity is because of the director this movie was directed by rennie harlan who at the time was actually married to gina davis and right before this movie, he had directed his lovely wife in a movie called cutthroat island which i've never seen but is pretty infamous for being terrible i've never seen it either but i do love gina davis and that would probably be the only reason i would actually watch that movie same absolutely same Uh, but he he has a a long list of eh movies in his repertoire including a nightmare on elm street 4 die hard 2 cliffhanger deep blue sea all that uh, shit (laughs) yo deep blue sea is still good (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and, and Die Hard 2 is good, too. Yeah, no, it's all great. But in regards to Shane Black, he does have a tendency to make movies like this around Christmas time. Like, he has this movie. He has Kiss Kiss. The Nice Guys, which I know you haven't seen. Maybe, like, just the juxtaposition of, like I was saying before, warm and fuzzy feelings and blood and guts and shooting and fuckery is is fun for him which i mean to be fair is accurate it's it's fun so another random tidbit i've learned this week is Shane Black made 4 million dollars for this script really he got paid 4 million dollars shit because he got two rival executives competing to buy it so the other one wouldn't have it business that's business baby and that's kind of why he retired for 11 years from writing after this well i'm glad he got something out of this because the budget for this movie total according to imdb was 65 million and it only made back 89 and a half but if you count marketing with that it probably just broke even if that maybe even technically was considered a bomb yeah so it's unfortunate, but I think it's fun. It's a fun, crazy, wacko action movie. <laughs> well, it's also... There's nothing new here. That's true. And I did say that while we were watching it. I, I noted a lot of tropes as we were going through. I kept comparing it to Jason Bourne, like, multiple times. <laughs> well, yeah, you kept comparing it to Jason Bourne. The other two podcasts, I listened to them. They kept comparing it to Total Recall. Yeah, there are similarities there, too. So For sure. It's just one of those movies that you've seen all these beats. Yeah, I I do agree with that completely. But I do think that the writing is fun and entertaining enough that it sets it apart a little bit. Enough that you can enjoy it without being totally, you know, annoyed by its similarities to other movies and stuff. But also, Gina Davis and Sam Jackson are so much fun. Yeah, they're great. And they're two actors that you would not think would have any chemistry together, would not really work well together, but they really do. Like, they play off each other really well. There are very few Sam Jackson roles, just in general, that I don't think he works for. True. That's that's fair. Okay, so to jump into the nitty-gritty, we start with these Jason Bourne kind of credits, and we get a little like narration of this peaceful town in Pennsylvania, introducing our main character, Samantha Kane, played by Gina Davis, who tells us she doesn't remember anything before eight years ago, woke up basically and was pregnant, and now she has a kid and is a middle school teacher. Fun. <laughs> so she, yeah, she has an eight-year-old kid. She's in a happy, like, loving relationship, but she's kind of trying to figure out who she is, so she's been hiring private investigators for the past eight years. And they, they have never actually been able to find anything, and currently, she is kind of sort of working with this, this PI named Mitch Hennessy, which is, like, the baddest-ass name in the land, and he's played by Sam L. Jackson. This was right in between... A Time to Kill, and Jackie Brown. So this was, this was like, you know, right right in the sweet spot of his career. Yeah, Gina Davis is this wholesome homebody, basically. She's the Mrs. Claus in the Christmas Day Parade. And then we get the juxtaposition of Sam Jackson is somewhat of a little bit of a lowlife. 
He has his secretary sleep with rich people. So he can catch them in the act and then extort them for, extort them for money. I'm like, dude, you're a dick. Yeah, but the thing with Sam Jackson is he's a dick for sure. And he often plays dickish characters, but he still has that charm and humor about him that endears the audience. And I think that that's, he's the perfect casting for this role. Because the guy, at least in the very beginning of the movie, is an asshole. Oh, yeah. But, like, you still like him because he's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we also get a nice little moment where he meets his son and he tries to give him a present, but the mother is not having it because she assumes he stole it. But to cut back to Gina Davis having this nice, lovely Christmas party with all of her, I guess, adopted family. She scolds. Oh, yeah. Well, she's got a husband and stepkids and her daughter, Caitlin. They're all like this big happy family, and it's really cute. She yells at one of her stepsons because he's smoking in the living room, like trying to hide a cigarette. And she just immediately snaps at him and she's like, I see you smoking again. They won't be able to find the body, you understand? And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, sweetie. But she gets the task of driving i guess the drunk grandfather home this scene was crazy so okay she's driving drunk grandpa home and he's you know just being drunk grandpa in the in the passenger seat and gina davis gets distracted for a moment she turns back and there's a deer in the road and she swerves and they hit the deer and they crash the car crashes but the thing about the car crash that's so crazy is like it just felt more visceral and real and like raw than a normal car crash in a movie. Oh, like it, just the sound design and the fucking just the gushing blood everywhere and uh, oh god. The fact that they showed the deer like through the window. Yeah, and, it was uh, intense. Like cuz you you know, you've seen a million movies over your lifetime, especially us lunatics. You see a million bajillion car crashes in movies. You don't even think anything of it half the time. But in this, it was it was it hit different. Yeah, she's going down and she uh, flies out the window. The grandfather's knocked unconscious from the deer, and the car lights on fire, and the grandfather's dead. Samantha Kane starts seeing visions of a blonde lady. Just her, essentially, in a blonde wig. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The blonde Samantha Kane is like, Hey, my name's Charlie. I'm coming back. <laughs> a little trippy, like, mirror kind of image. It doesn't look great. No, the the CGI in general in this film is, is not good. <laughs> not good. And, I mean, it's the 90s. But I feel like certain CGI in 90s, it, it holds up. It really depends on the movie. Probably the budget on this movie didn't help that situation. <laughs> no, I, I don't assume it did. But yeah, she wakes up. She's covered in blood. She goes over to the deer and just fucking snaps its neck. Yeah, it just happens so fast. It was a great way to show how like... Whoever she was before her amnesia clearly was a bad motherfucker because <laughs> she just did it without even batting an eye. And it, and then she passes out and it's like, holy fuck. <laughs> so now we cut to 
a random prison, and there is a one-eyed man who is credited as One-Eyed Jack watching television, and he sees Sam Cain in the Christmas parade, and he starts bugging the fuck out. No, it's impossible. Like, going crazy. (laughs) Okay, honey. (laughs) He is very over the top. Yeah, she needs a beverage to calm herself down. Oh, he needs some milk. Oh, God. So we cut to the next day where Sam is taking her daughter ice skating. And the daughter isn't good at it. And she falls. And I don't know if you caught this, but there's a slight audible crack. Oh, I didn't even hear that. It's not something you pick up. I picked up on it now because I've seen it. Right. And she's like, Mommy, my wrist hurts. I want to go home. And Sam looks at her and goes, Get the fuck up. Life is pain. Get fucking used to it. (laughs) Yeah, that reminded me of the line in The Princess Bride. You mock my pain. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. But yeah, that's crazy because... Now that I'm thinking about it, when you went back and you saw the kid in the next scene, she was wearing like a wrap on her wrist. Yeah, she broke her wrist. Fuck. I didn't even think. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Sam is very upset. She blames herself, but she's like, I don't even remember. It's a really sweet scene between her and the husband, actually. She's by herself and she's introspective and whatever. The husband comes up and is trying to comfort her and... She starts crying, and she's like, I don't even remember what I said to her. So we cut back to Sam Jackson, who his secretary has gotten a hit on the Samantha Kane case. Someone had used a credit card labeled to Sam Kane, so he got a bunch of her stuff back. So he tells the secretary, hey, I'm going to go over to Miss Kane's house, tell her what I found, and yada, yada, yada. And get more money out of her. Right. Meanwhile... At the Kane house, they get a knock on the door. And there's carolers at the door. Oh, how wholesome. Because remember, it's Christmas. It is Christmas. But there's a shot of one of the carolers with a barrel pointing at his head. And he looks a little freaked out. So Samantha opens the door. And one eye Jack's there. He starts throwing people to the side. He's trying to shoot at Sam Kane, who's like kind of dodging her husband, Hal runs up to him he gets smashed in the face and knocked out her daughter comes down the stairs so sam goes to protect her daughter one eye jack shoots a hole in the wall and sam kane now with all her strength throws the daughter out the hole in the wall into the treehouse that was funny it's like and then it's just samantha and one eye jack going at it it's very Kill Bill-esque. It is, and they're going at it, and it's a crazy fight. She grabs a pie in a glass bottom, hits him with the pie, but it also breaks the glass in his face. He falls to the floor, and she smashes him in the back of the head and breaks his neck, killing him. And the husband sees it, and you just see the look on his face like, whoa, like, what the fuck? And, and <laughs> Gina Davis is just like... Yeah, <laughs> I I did that. <laughs> she runs outside to go get her daughter, and she runs into Mitch. She goes, I have your daughter. She's in the car. It's okay. The cops pull up and point a gun at Sam Jackson. Oh, that was a little too real. <laughs> Just a bit. So, yeah, Sam decides she's going to go on a journey with Mitch. She Basically, d- to try and go figure out 
her past and figure out who she is because now like she's fully aware something is going on in her brain she definitely has violent tendencies we need to figure this shit out so she goes with Mitch to go and try to solve the mystery yeah and before she goes she gives her daughter a bracelet that she's always had with a random key on it and wraps it around her bear's neck and goes if you need me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how far, don't worry, worry baby. baby. Just call my, my name. I'll, I'll be there in a hurry. You don't, don't have, have to worry. Cause baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, baby. Anyway. <laughs> So they agree to go on this journey together. Meanwhile, we have a torture scene going on where our main villain, Timothy. Such an intimidating name. Timothy. Timothy! He's played by Craig Bierko. He was that annoying lead guy in Scary Movie 4. Dad, talk to me. What's happening? There's no time to explain. Alien attack! Well, actually, that about sums it up. That's all I know him from. But he is torturing this guy, and then some other, like, henchman comes in, and he tells him, Sir Timothy, One-Eyed Jack is in prison right now, and he's freaking out because he says, Charlie Baltimore is alive. And when they reference Charlie Baltimore, spoiler alert, that's Samantha Kane. <laughs> that's her real name. So, Timothy, he says some kind of, like, snarky Shane Black villainy line. But what I found funny about it is that he references Baywatch Nights (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) He's like, oh, you think that's weird? Try watching Baywatch Nights. And it's like, really? Baywatch Nights? That's what we're going to (laughs) reference? If you don't know what Baywatch Nights is, it's Baywatch... But at night. No kidding. It's, well, I'm not, but it's <laughs> essentially David Hasselhoff pretending to be a private investigator. And then when that wasn't working out and the ratings were shit, they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have David Hasselhoff pretending to be a private investigator, but also throw vampires in. What? What the fuck? That's a reference that I co-sign on to because it's just weird enough so mitch and sam are driving along and sam's looking through her stuff they have a very cute funny chemistry together like buddy duo chemistry as they're having this conversation sam finds this note in the book that leads her to a character called Waldman played by Brian Cox now Brian Cox has been in a ton of shit (laughs) he's been in X-Men funny with your connection with Jason Bourne he's the guy who makes Jason Bourne oh there's the random connection yeah and he's essentially Samantha Kane slash Charlie Baltimore's Handler. handler right and he has his weird scene with his wife where he talks about his wife's dog licking its ass it just came out of nowhere 
Your dog has been licking its ass for like five hours straight. If he hasn't got anything by now, he's either not going to get it or it's so far up there. It's here to stay. (laughs) So he gets the phone and he automatically recognizes Sam's voice. And he goes, no, you're really Charlie Baltimore. Let's meet at this random train station. Which, by the way, okay, Samantha Kane at least sounds like a real name. Charlie Baltimore sounds like a fucking, I don't even know what, a stripper, a fucking high stakes TV poker player, superhero, not a real person. Sounds like Carmen Sandiego's like half-wit cousin. It's not a thing. It's It's probably her spy alias. It might not even be her real name. So they decide that before they go to the train station, they're going to stay at the hotel for the night. Ooh. And Sam Jackson's... Oh, we have the thing. We have his little quirk that he does. He's he's walking around the room and he's smoking a cigarette. He has this little beak where he goes, da, 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 da. And then he just says what he's doing. And he's like, I do that so I don't forget. <laughs> he's like, da, 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 da. Smoke my cigarette. Da, 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 da. Shut off the light. Da, 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 da. And Sam's just so done. She's like, you know, if you're going to do that, why don't you just shut the door? She just shuts the door in his face. And she starts messing around with her suitcase. And she realizes there's a false bottom. And she pulls it up. And there's a fucking sniper rifle in there. Of course there is. And it's she's literally Jason Bourne. It literally, and she starts putting it together. She's like remembering exactly how it goes. And <laughs> Mitch opens the door. She turns and almost shoots him. Yeah, and then <laughs> the next scene is him like storming out because he wants to fucking leave, like he's done. And Gina Davis is like, "What do you mean you can't just leave?" And I'm like, "Bitch, you just almost <laughs> shot him in the face." Like, it narrowly missed his fucking face. Like, no, bitch, I'm going home where I don't get shot in the face. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm -mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. She does finally convince Mitch as they're driving, and he tells her the story about him being a fuck-up and stealing stuff from his ex-partner because he used to be a cop. And he's like, I've always been a fuck-up. That's just who I am. Yeah. Again, there's more bonding between them and he agrees to to still help her and whatnot but yeah i mean he's a better person than me because let me tell you if i almost got shot in the face with a big ass gun by a crazy lady i would take my ass home yeah i i wouldn't have blamed him so now they are going to meet brian cox at this train station and as they're getting out of the car sam's doing his thing Gun in my left pocket. Da, 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 da. Wallet in the right one. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they go in the train station. Mitch goes to take a leak. Samantha's sitting at the bar because there's a bar in the train station. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so Timothy, he approaches the bar. <laughs> I don't know why I'm putting on this hoity-toity thing. It just sounds so stupid. Why would you name your villain Timothy? I'm sorry to anyone named Timothy. But it's not a very gruff name for a villain of a fucking... You know what I mean? Like, even just shorten it to Tim. Tim. Even that is not very intimidating. Uh, like, let's think of other, like, big villains. Like, Hans Gruber. 
Apollo Creed. He's not really a villain, villain, but you no. know what I mean. He's like the, the adversary. But more than well, let's go. Even go stay with Rocky. Clubber Lang. Yeah, like Ivan Drago. Ivan Drago. Yeah, like I'm not scared of Timothy. <laughs> like no, <laughs> sorry. I think of the mouse from Dumbo. <laughs> Timothy goes up to her and goes, "Don't I know you from somewhere?" She goes, uh, "I don't know you." He looks in their eyes. He goes, "Tell him the truth." You really don't know me. Oh, well. And he walks out. He goes, okay, kill him. <laughs> yeah, and then Mitch comes out of the bathroom, meets up with her, and then all hell breaks loose. Sam sees a guy about to take out a gun, and like with her fucking crazy spidey senses, she grabs Mitch's gun out of his jacket pocket and starts shooting motherfuckers, and they're running, and it's madness. There's a fucking grenade throw, and then it blows up with terrible CGI fire, and they have to jump out the fucking window. Sam shoots the ice, and, like, they fall through, and they're fine. And then Brian Cox comes out of nowhere, and he's like, get in the car. Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> and they get in the car, and they drive off. We jumped out of a building. Yes, it was very exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. That's <laughs> one of the funniest lines. Shane Black's got that humor man I love It works in this movie I can't help it Sam Jackson definitely helps There are times where there are dumb lines being said But Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson Makes it sound cool regardless Well yeah him Gina Davis Brian Cox is great Brian Cox basically tells us that She grew up an assassin Blah 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 She's one of the best assassins in the world And suddenly eight years ago she disappeared and they thought she was dead. Mitch decides he doesn't trust Brian Cox. So he tosses a coat over him, smacks him with a tire iron, and they steal Waldman's car, leaving him in the dust. Yeah, they find this postcard with some context clues that would lead them to believe that it's it was a lover or a fiancé or something. So they go to find this guy, and his name is Luke. And they go, it's basically like a fucking cabin in the woods. And Gina Davis starts to remember things. She's like, oh, yeah, I I know he's got a pin in his leg. I know what he likes to eat. I know he sits down when he pees. And I'm like, ew, okay, too much information. <laughs> so she's like, to Mitch, she's like, I got to talk to him alone. So she goes off with Luke by herself into the snowy woods and talks to him while Mitch is like, singing his little song and then right as he's doing his little song and dance fucking brian cox comes up behind him and puts a gun to his neck (laughs) yeah and mitch goes how'd you find us he pulls out a notepad of mitch's that was in the jacket that mitch used to blind brian cox and he goes you wrote the address down here right next to this picture of a penis it's a duck not a dick That's the stupidest fucking line, but Sam Jackson saying it is like, mwah. It's just beautiful. It really is. So after some back and forth between Brian Cox and Mitch, we figure out that Luke actually isn't Charlie Baltimore's ex-lover or anything. He is a former target of hers. And the verbiage that was used in the postcard is actually like code words using correspondence to like mark her target so the guys start freaking out and they run towards samantha slash charlie 
And before they can get to her, the fucking villain cavalry comes in and they take her out and they basically capture all three of them. Yes. So then we cut to Sam, who's now in like a white nighty. Because sexy lady. <laughs> because Gina Davis is gorgeous. Okay, sure. Why not? She's tied to this water wheel and Luke is like, I need to know how much you know and who you told. And he dunks her into the freezing cold water where she sees Brian Cox's body because he's dead now. And then he pulls her up and who's next to Luke now? Sir Timothy. Oh, you're here. What a delight. And she goes, it's you from the train station. And he goes, she has no memory. She doesn't remember anything. Luke's like, well, I have to be sure. Timothy leaves. So she's getting dunked. But suddenly she's having these flashes of memories. Doof, 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 doof. She then comes up one time and she goes, Let me go now. And I'll leave you the use of your legs. So Luke dunks her again. And she reaches into Brian Cox's pants. Because Brian Cox earlier said he always keeps a gun by his crotch. Because people don't want to, you know, touch up someone. Patting around on a dude's dick (laughs) yeah basically and she grabs the gun and as she comes up she loosened her hand and shoots luke twice in the chest and she goes ape shit now and starts shooting the crap out of everybody there as mitch is like fucking beaten and bloodied underneath floorboards she saves him they go back to the hotel room and immediately Samantha is no more and Charlie has reemerged and you can tell because her first act of business is to dye her hair. <laughs> she gets rid of her long red ruby locks, chops them up and she bleaches it and she's a slicked back blonde bitch. <laughs> Which I don't I, I prefer the long red locks. I think she's prettier with her long red hair. She is, but you know what? She kind of still looks like a badass here. True. Very true. Mitch is like all bandaged up. He's like, where the fuck am I? He sees the ripped picture of Samantha Kane's family in the trash can, picks it up and pockets it. Yeah. that That's basically, it's, it's weird because the first half of this movie is you're with Mitch and Samantha and it's a mystery of trying to figure out who she is. And then the second half of the movie, it's Mitch and Charlie... And they're trying to stop the villains from their evil master plan. It's like two movies, but kind of seamlessly woven together. It's it's pretty yeah. cool in that way. And Charlie Baltimore is a very different character from Samantha Kane. Yes and no. I mean, they're still the same person. They are the same person, but they're different. Like you- even Mitch says at one point when he's talking to Charlie about Samantha... She's like, oh, that that girl doesn't exist. And he's like, really? Because that personality had to come from somewhere. So. And she also tries to like flirt with Sam Jackson. Oh, yeah, that was fucking interesting. (laughs) And he like is is intrigued, let's say, by that for a minute. But then he whoops out the picture of uh, the husband and the daughter. And he's like, well, what about your family? What about these people? And she's like, meh. 
And he's like, I kind of liked the school teacher better than this. I don't, I don't know. Can we bring the school teacher lady back? Like she was kind of prissy, but I like her better. <laughs> she storms out. She's walking down the street. She calls the head of the CIA, Agent Perkins. 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 And tells him like, hey, I want to come in. Let's figure this out. Yeah, I want to get back in the game. And Perkins is like, okay, sure. And then he hangs up and he goes over and he's, he's Timothy's there. <gasps> what? The villains are working with the U.S. government? What? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. So it turns out Perkins, the head of the CIA or whatever, is in cahoots with Sir Timothy. Yes. And... Now he goes, we have to kill Charlie Baltimore. So now Charlie's walking down the street and some guy tries to hold her up. And she's like, really? I didn't expect you guys to turn on me this quickly. She knew the guy was sent from Perkins and she kind of saw this coming. So she's trying to like talk her way out of it. And then all of a sudden Mitch shows up and holds the gun on the guy. <laughs> and she goes, you think I can't take him? I probably scared the other ones away. What up? Headhunters, Nimrod. They don't travel alone. You're always this stupid. Did you take lessons? I took lessons. Hey, what? what? I still got this fucking gun. So they kill their way out of the alley. Well, really, Charlie kills her way out of the alley. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch is kind of a fuck up. So after that, Charlie's driving Mitch in a car and they're driving down the road. And she's like, oh, Perkins, turn on me. I got to figure out what the hell's going on. And... Mitch is like, you know, you're talking all this shit. You sound like you don't even really need me anymore. And then she just stops the fucking car dead in the street, opens the door and kicks Mitch out into the street and drives away. And for like a good 20 seconds, he's just lying there in the middle of the street smoking a cigarette like, yep, yep, this is this is where I'm at. Yeah, this is one of those points where you would have gone like it like one of those random cuts like, how did I get here? Yep, that's <laughs> me. I bet you're wondering how I got into this situation. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she pulls back up next to him and she's like, get in the car. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he gets back in and she's like, I could actually use you. We have to break back into my house. Yeah, because I have this key on this bracelet that I left with my daughter. and. It leads to a bunch of different identities and a ton of money. Yeah, it opens a locker in like a train station or something. And in the locker, there's a bunch of fake IDs and a bunch of money. And I can get the fuck out of Dodge. And he's like, okay, so I, I guess I'll help you then. All right, let's go. So they go back to the to the homestead. The interesting thing we get here with Charlie going back to quote unquote Samantha Kane's home is that she's not as separated from that home life that she wishes or thinks that she is because she up to this point has been very like, oh, I don't care about the kid. I just I want to I never asked for this kid. I just want to live my life and be free. Da, da, da. But then when she gets there and she sees the house and 
she, you know, she looks out the window and she sees her daughter and her husband are at this Christmas pageant thing across the street by the church because, you know, it's Christmas. So you, you see her have the feels and her heart is a little torn up by this family connection that she was not expecting. She's jumping over fences with a sniper rifle and she catches the stepkid from before Raymond smoking again. And she's like, What have we learned about the dangers of smoking? Give it here. Thanks. Tell anyone you saw me. I'll blow your fucking head off. Yeah, you know what was weird too about that whole thing? I mean, it was really funny because then the kid pisses himself and it's <laughs> hilarious. Child trauma. But <laughs> what's really weird about it is like, you're going to a residential area, like, in the suburbs. Why are you bringing a fucking rifle into the fucking house? Like, what are you trying? I don't even... It's weird. <laughs> she has the key. Who are you trying to shoot in suburbia? Who? I'm sure there's people. The PTA. Uh, So Mitch, she's a car coming, which leads to this whole chase where Mitch is being chased by the bad guys. So what does Sam do? She steals a pair of skates and starts ice skating towards them and fucking picks these guys off in the car while ice skating. It's oh, yeah, because, you know, the ice skating scene from before, it's the nice little call bag. I don't know if even on paper it seemed cool, but in execution, it seems kind of silly. But also, it's it's still cool, but it seems kind of silly that, like, we have a super-duper killer assassin lady, Kill Bill type, gliding on the ice with the greatest of ease. Like, it's weird. I don't know. Well, apparently, it was supposed to be even more crazy. Like, she was supposed to do, like, a jump flip thing. Oh, God, of course. But they couldn't get the machine to work in Aww. the temperature. So they're just like, let's have her skate and shoot them. You know, speaking of Kill Bill... I did want to bring up something that I, I found out during my research, which is that during development of this film, New Line Cinema considered turning the lead of Charlie Baltimore male. And there were two actors who were strongly considered oh, is, uh, for, for the duo roles of Charlie and Mitch. Oh, is this our cast could have been? I didn't think it was worthy of a, a full song and dance of cast oh, but i think it's worth a discussion so steven seagal and sylvester stallone were considered as suitable choices for the male version of charlie baltimore and mitch hennessy respectively what do you think about that <laughs> no fucking way no i agree because <laughs> first of all you know i i've talked in the past about people bitching and moaning that there's no strong female characters in cinema and i think that's bullshit however it's also bullshit to just be like yeah we have this strong female character but you know what it, it might be more marketable if we put it a guy so let's do that no, 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 no the character of charlie baltimore despite some of the crazy stuff that happens in the movie and the weirdness and implausibility of her name is still a really cool character in a lot of ways, she is similar to the bride in Kill Bill. She's kind of like a less... You know what she is? She's like the Diet Coke of the bride in Kill Bill. Like, the bride in Kill Bill is 
Coke and then Charlie Baltimore's Diet Coke. You see what I'm saying? I, I see what you were saying. Are you concurring with what I'm saying or do you think I'm just talking nonsense? No, I, I, I could see your reference. I can see your your idea here. Okay. I can follow your train of thought. Oh, you mean like the Polar Express? Because, you know, it's, it's Christmas. Christmas. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the idea of having two guys in, in the role instead of like male female is fully i'm glad they didn't go with that uh especially with seagal and stallone i think that would have been bizarro stallone as great as stallone is stallone doesn't pull off the family man well i've never seen him actually pull that role off i don't think seagal really would either so i don't really yeah no that's okay. We don't need that in our lives. No, we need more Gina Davis. Yes. And in regards to Gina Davis, I personally have never seen her in a role like this. I know her from like A League of Their Own and roles like that, kind of more wholesome. And she's great in those kinds of things. But this is a role that it's very meaty because there is, and it's, it's not like a cookie cutter role for her and I think that's great because it's 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 got that wholesomeness with Samantha Kane she's a middle school teacher and a mom and I love my life and la di da di da and then we have Charlie Baltimore who's like this badass bitch but she also has a heart of gold that's buried deep deep down inside and it's it's just a cool role for her and I it bums me out that this isn't more talked about or known about this movie yeah it definitely is a bummer it's i I honestly think most people would like this movie if they chose to watch it i think so too because it's good i mean like we said before it's not the most original thing in the world but it's got fun elements to it that keep you entertained and just set it apart yeah don't go in expecting like a Oscar caliber performance. It's the Diet Coke of action movies. Pretty much, yeah. Essentially, that's what it is. So, while Charlie and Mitch are driving out of town, Timothy. No, no, dear. Timothy, Sir Timothy. Timothy uh, kidnaps. No, there's no way to make that sound scary. I'm trying. I'm trying, Tim. I'm, God, I'm trying. it's just not happening. It's like, think about it, like, Nightmare on Elm Street starring Tim Allen. Like, no, it's not scary. I'm not scared. Oh, my God. Scare me more. <laughs> I, I now want Tim Allen <laughs> to do some of Freddy Krueger's lines. Oh, no. <laughs> no one wants that. I want it. I want it now. Someone make this happen. So, Timothy kidnaps Sam Kane's daughter. He calls Charlie and tells her he has her daughter. And Mitch is like, hey, the phone company is right around here. Let's go there, reroute the phone, and we can trace his call. So they do that. They do that, scare the shit out of a lot of people. Yeah, but, you know, they get the fucking job done. And they go to this, like, little cabin. It's like a compound. Yeah, where they're holding the kid. Mitch looks at her and goes, who is this fucking Timothy guy? And she goes, well, we used to bump pelvises. Oh, isn't that lovely? Christmas! <laughs> How wholesome. Oh, God. And as they are now looking at this compound, 
figuring out how to break in, Perkins shows up. And Charlie's like, fuck. Timothy's one thing, but now the U.S. government's here. She goes, okay, you know what? I'm going to go in. If you'd see anybody but me and the kid come through, shoot them. And she kisses Mitch. Well, because she says they're probably going to blow my head off. Charlie goes in, gets Caitlin, kills like two people. Mitch gets captured. Charlie and Caitlin also get captured. But before they get captured, they get surrounded by leaking barrels of kerosene. As you do in an action movie, there's always got to be a barrel of kerosene in the general vicinity. Of course. It's like a giant red barrel in a video game. So they're being held up and Charlie goes, this is all about money, isn't it? Perkins basically admits it like, yeah, this is all a scam. We're going to cause an explosion. And blame it on the Muslims. And you're like, oh my God, that is also way too real. Well, Shane Black did a watch along with this movie, I think in like 2003. Oh shit, yeah, that probably didn't go over too well. And he's like, I can explain. Let me explain. Uh, I wrote this movie in 1994. <laughs> I couldn't have predicted that. I mean, to be fair, he, he really couldn't have. It's not really his fault. It's kind of like any movie that has like the Twin Towers in it. And you just like, you, you get a little twinge. You're like, ugh. It's not really the movie's fault. So, uh, Timothy puts Charlie in an ice chest. And he goes, I'm going to kill you and your daughter. And she goes, well, she's your daughter, too. Look at her eyes. They're your eyes. It's very soap opera-y, just out of nowhere. And it's like, okay. And then, yeah, he he's like, can you bring the little bitch to me? And you're like, okay, Timothy, calm down. <laughs> you are not scary. Just stop it. Well, at this moment, he is a little scary. Like, Not I- really, no. He just kind of seems like a very whiny brat of a guy and he he grabs the little kid and he looks at her and his face falls and he, you can see in his mind he's like maybe she is my daughter oh no anyway it doesn't matter i'm still throwing her to the ice chest bye <laughs> and as he's closing the ice chest she goes you're gonna die screaming she starts messing around with the kerosene that she soaked up in her child's doll in the diaper, yeah, because she has like a little baby doll, and you can see it in like the baby diaper. She squeezes out the kerosene. It was very clever, clever girl. She starts trying to light a spark. She's failing miserably. Oh my god! Okay, so I'm gonna just build this the fuck up. Okay, ready? She's trying to light a spark. She can't do it. All is lost. We're going to die. She starts to cry. Charlie Baltimore, badass bitch, starts to break down in tears. And then the child, Caitlin, emerges from the side and she's like, Mommy, Mommy dearest. I don't know why she's British, but we're going to go with it. (laughs) Mommy. Mommy. Mommy dearest. And she pulls out of her cast, because remember she had a broken wrist. She pulls out of her cast a book of matches. And she's like, Mommy, I have these matches with me all the time to light a candle for you at night to light your way home. And it's like, oh, you child, you're a genius. So Mommy takes the fucking matches, lights a spark. And the kid is like, 
mommy, are we going to die? No. <laughs> and then Charlie goes, no, baby, we're not going to die. They are. And then she lights the spark. And right before it explodes, she goes, you want to get a dog? Oh, yeah, that was cute, too. <laughs> and then the fucking kerosene, of course, boom, blows up. And the door opens up and they get out. Yeah. Cut to another moment that is happening at the same time. Timothy is now threatening Mitch. And Timothy's like, okay, man, well, you're going to die. And he pulls the gun to go shoot him. As the explosion happens, Mitch gets blasted back through a window. He's not in good shape, but he's out. Charlie is fighting people off, tells her daughter to run and hide, basically. Leading to, of course, the dumbest decision a child can make. Let's hide in this gas truck that they're using as the bomb to set off this crazy fake terrorist attack and uh mitch and charlie are both trying to get to her but they can't yeah mitch has a whole thing where he goes let me get her let me do one thing fucking right mitch and charlie are like shooting people and trying to get to caitlin but mitch gets shot yeah, it's pretty brutal. He gets shot, like, right in the chest. But then Charlie just thinks she's on her own and she's got to save her kids, so off she goes. Yes, because the gas truck leaves. Charlie catches up to the gas truck, which gets blocked by another Christmas parade. Because uh, it's Christmas! Christmas! There's, like, a fist fight, and Charlie knocks Timothy down, who falls into the water. But survives. Somehow, even though it was it, it was very clearly like a death moment. He was like, and then fell t- like seemingly to his death. But okay, he lives, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie goes, frees her daughter from the bomb and is like, okay, run. Get the fuck out of here. And Charlie kind of falls over because she's taking a beating at this point. Caitlin is is running and running and she looks back and she doesn't see her mom and she decides to run back and get her and this really kind of sad moment where she kneels down beside her mother fucking half dead and she starts like hitting her and she's like mommy mommy get up come on life is pain you have to get up get up get up don't be a little pussy basically yeah and then you see Charlie's fingers start to move and her hand move, and then eventually she starts moving and she gets up and it's a really it's it's a it's a pretty cool fucking moment I gotta say despite the fact that she's beat to shit she gets the fuck up yeah and she basically looks at her daughter and goes you're grounded <laughs> that was cute so Charlie is worse for wear but Timothy has now gone into a helicopter as you do when you're a villain As named you, Timothy. Yes. Charlie's screaming over the radio that she has her kids. And some police officer's like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. We can't help you. And just as that's happening, fucking Mitch, who we all thought was dead at that point, drives over to try to save them. Oh, but you got to get the line. That's right. You can't kill me, motherfuckers. Funny you should mention that. Because in the first draft of this screenplay mitch was supposed to die of his wounds and he he was supposed to die when he got shot and that would have been it but test audiences didn't very much like that well no we because don't want- like who wants sam jackson to die that exactly. man will live forever 
so they reshot it with him kind of saving the day which i think is awesome because it really was sick he's like covered in blood he's from his mouth he's bleeding he's bleeding everywhere there's blood everywhere 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 the red in the red and green of christmas is blood yes exactly so charlie shoves her kid in mitch's car and she's distracting timothy in the helicopter as he's still shooting at her she then cuts the christmas lights on the bridge flies up and as she flies past the guy grabs the gun points it and shoots timothy in the head yeah and then as she's coming down like she grabs onto these christmas lights and just shimmies down and all the christmas lights explode and it's like a whole big christmas extravaganza we can't forget this is christmas time yes and she gets in mitch's car and they drive off to try and avoid the bomb that timothy has landed on he's still moving but the bomb blows up and timothy is finally finally dead Yay! Scary Movie 4 was terrible. So, yeah, they, they're driving away. Mitch and Charlie are like, are you okay? You okay? Yeah, 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 I'm okay. He looks over at Caitlin and he says, hey, you got your mother's eyes. Don't let anyone tell you different. And I was like, oh, because before Charlie was saying how, like, she's got Timothy's eyes and ugh. Who wants that? But that, I thought that was really sweet. And then after that... We get the epilogue. Yeah, we get a nice Christmassy, wholesome epilogue. Charlie goes back to the suburban life. She goes back to her husband and her kid, and it's it's great. She got the money, though. Oh, yeah, she got that money, though. She got that money, though. She, I'm sure, gave some to Mitch. Oh, yeah. Well, she uh, hooked Mitch up with... The report that he saved the day, and he's on the Larry King show. Mitch, you have had one hell of a Christmas Eve, and we have heard from our reporter Carla Greb. So when she first heard this story, she didn't believe it, right? Well, what uh, Carla failed to realize, Mr. King, is that uh, I'm always frank and earnest with women. Uh, in New York, I'm frank; in Chicago, I'm earnest. And that's the line we end the movie on. It's a happy ending. It is because it's you know a Christmas movie. Okay, sure. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Christmas family. It's that's good. No, no, I no. Saving the day. No. There are two Christmas parades in this movie, Frankie. They bookend the movie. No, I'm sorry. You can ta- be a movie that takes place during Christmas time and not be a Christmas movie. I think if slander. I think if your movie has multiple people getting brutally murdered. And blood spurting everywhere, and that's not very Christmassy. I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. I I think these are bullshit parameters placed on a movie that clearly could be a Christmas movie that should be loved by more people. Go watch it. It's a fun action movie. Well, I certainly think the movie should be loved by more people. Scott, what do you have this movie rated? I have this a four out of five. Do you? I do. I love it. It's a fun fucking movie. I like Shane Black's lines. Gina Davis is amazing. Sam Jackson is amazing. Even Timothy, if you named him something different, he, Ew, he was fine. No, Timothy is a no. We give Timothy a no, no, no. If you named him something else, no. it wasn't Timothy. I mean, even even if you named him something else, he's still kind of a generic villain. There's really nothing to him. Like, really, the, the main meat and potatoes with the characters is with... Charlie Baltimore and Mitch Hennessy, 
which are also two of the weirdest fucking names ever, but it's a movie. What are you going to do? I gave this a three and a half out of five stars. I very much enjoyed it. Yes, is the plot generic for the most part? Sure. But I, again, think that the writing and um, the characters and performances being stellar as they are elevates it to better than it got. It, it definitely deserves more attention. I definitely agree. I I love this movie. I really do. Now, next week, I think we're also going to have a great deal of fun because we're going to watch <laughs> another sort of kind of maybe almost kind of not really eh, whatever Christmas movie. How does this movie even fucking exist? Now, this movie is an atrocity for so many reasons but yet it is a movie that i grew up with so we're gonna watch it and scott's gonna experience it for the first time and he's gonna hate it and i can't wait so until then (laughs) this has been shoot the flick an official paradoja podcast i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott eisenberg Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And please, if you could, vote for us, Shoot the Flick, for best podcast in the Best of Long Island competition. Voting is still open until December 15th. This is the last week we're going to get up your butts about it. So make sure you go out there and vote. You can vote once every single day and the links will be in our Twitter and Instagram. So feel free to check that out and make sure you come back next week for our holly jolly super duper movie adventure. You're not ready and I'm not ready. Oh, you're ready. Now when I was a young boy at the age of five my mother's style gonna be Greatest me.